Capital One is on your list. Andy, good morning. Thanks for being here. As we're talking financials, we've been focused on the money center banks and the Wall Street giants during earnings. But Capital One's got a benefit from retail sales booming this morning, people swiping their cards. It sure does. So as I look about as I look about the financial sector, I expect most of the financial sector to do quite well in this economic environment. Money center banks were the first to come out with earnings really positive almost across the board. Capital One is a different kind of animal. It's focused much more on the U.S. consumer. What's appealing about it is what, well, what's happened over the past year or so is it's taken very little in terms of charge offs from consumers not paying their debt. That's great because household balance sheets are so solid. But where it's been lagging is from people not really wanting to spend, not really wanting to take out loans. That's starting to change. Animal spirits are getting reinvigorated. We're getting past this hump from the Delta variant. Spending is likely to pick up and that's likely to make it to the bottom line for a company like Capital One, especially given that household balance sheets are still strong, so they have capacity to take on some debt and not have to uh, fall behind on their payments at all. Andy, looking at your notes on the macro side, your view is that uh, there's not going to be a hyperinflation or stagflation, but that it's not transitory either, that it's going to stick around. Does that erode at the consumer's buying power and eventually way on a stock like Capital One? So it doesn't have to. Um, the reason why the 1970s were so tough is we had cost push inflation. All of a sudden, the price of oil went up fourfold. The U.S. economy was not re ready to absorb that. We had fuel inefficient cars and the consumer really took it on the chin. What we're experiencing today is, of course, inflation. Energy prices are up significantly, but they're still well below what they were even in 2014. Um, what we're experiencing instead is transitory inflation that's transitioning to new items. It went from reopening items to energy, to now it's actually having a fairly sticky effect in terms of wages and rents. Wages are super important here. With wages rising robustly, it's not likely that rising prices are going to, uh, are going to scare away the consumer. What about uh, the creditworthiness uh, right now and the uh, sustainability of this big push we got last year with personal incomes soaring and the ability uh, to uh, spend uh, almost a liquidity argument. At what role has that played in Capital One's growth over the last year? A huge one. I think, I think the way this crisis has been so different from the one that we were conditioned to expect from 2008, 2009 is in 2008, 2009, consumers stopped spending because they couldn't. They couldn't get a loan. Um, they were overextended in terms of their debt payments and they needed to fix their balance sheet. This was so different. Uh, consumers entered this crisis with balance sheets that were very well repaired, very little uh, interest service in terms, of, in terms of their debt load. And now they're even better off because all those stimulus payments went off to pay off credit cards. Um, on top of that, consumers had a, a, an extra 18 months worth of excess savings burning a hole in their pockets. So it's, it the reason consumers aren't spending as much as they could is they're it, 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 it's not an inability to spend. It's a, a lack of willingness or a lack, or a lack of things to spend on. Hmm. As we get past the Delta variant, I expect to see a pretty significant uptick in consumer spending on services, on travel, on restaurants. It's going to make it right to the bottom line for a company like Capital One. What do you expect uh, the message to be in earnings when we get them on the 26th, Andy? Do they need to give a, a good guidance? Do they need to show impressive numbers? What kind of top line are we looking for here? Sure. I think the most important thing for Capital One to deliver on earnings is to really address where is consumer spending going to head over the next 12 months. Um, looking at consumer-focused companies like this is going to give us a good 
a, a good feel for the pulse of the of, of, of consumer spending. I expect them to motivate folks higher. Uh, consumers are starting to feel much better. There was a bit of a slump in, re in response to the Delta variant that we saw in, in, in September, but actually look at what happened. We saw a decline in the pace of services spending, but a fairly big uptake in the pace of good spending. Mm. Consumers want to spend, um, and they're fairly flexible in terms of how, they, how, how they'll do it. Andy, stick with us. We're going to get another take from you on Comcast, but let's trade it with Tom here in studio first on Capital One. So it's already lifted off a little bit here, 1.8%. Uh, nice yeah. little rally, even without reporting this week. Yeah, it's up, uh, what, about 70% so far this year. It's pulled back about 8 bucks from its all-time highs. Uh, you've got earnings on the 26th, so you have to take that into consideration. I looked at the option market and a strategy that might play out if you think maybe the stock maybe consolidates here. It is, uh, you know, elevated on a technical basis. So I looked at a calendar spread where I'm going to take advantage of that higher implied volatility in that October 29th weekly series, which will contain the earnings event. So you got a lot of option premium in there. So get some elevated volatility. So I looked at going out to November, the monthly series, buying the 170 strike call, then against it, selling that near-term October 29th weekly 170 call, creating a uh, slightly bullish, basically neutral call calendar to the upside. Uh, and if I'm paying roughly about $1.75 debit per spread, that's 175 bucks at risk. But you can see here from the risk profile, Oliver, it's a pretty wide range for the stock to trade in over the next 35 days where you're going to be potentially profitable on this. You can see break-evens are down near under 162 and up to near 179 because of that elevated volatility. So if the stock starts to consolidate here, this thing should start to expand as uh, time decay or theta works in your favor on this okay. one because the near-term options decay at a faster pace. But you've also got elevated volatility that's probably going to remain into that earnings event. So uh, the decision you have to make is do you get out of this before the earnings report if it expands or if you think this stock's going to continue to move at or near this 170 strike, uh, mm. this might be the strategy that you want to play over the next month. Okay, all right. So way to basically bet on it, staying where it is, gravitating higher, going into earnings, and then tweaking whatever dates you want if you want to do it around earnings or not. All right, all right, interesting. Tom, thank you. You got one more for us, too. Let's hear the case for Comcast after pulling back over the last couple months. Uh, Andy, what's going on here? It seemed like it had a great start to the year, and then things have gone a little bit dicey. Uh, over the last 30 days? Sure, so I think, I think people view Comcast as a work from home, shop from home, get some entertainment from home kind of stock. And we've seen declines in a, in a, in a lot of those, or, or, or at least uh, a lack of gains. Uh, what I think people are missing is the, the, the cable business is solid. Um, they're losing subscribers on a low margin TV business that they might as well not do anymore. And here's where they're gaining subscriptions continue to even post pandemic cable where profit margins are very high they're able to uh convince consumers to upgrade to faster more profitable services for them and here's here's the x factor i always like a company that benefits from both sides of the coin they benefit from the resilience of being able to facilitate work from home they also benefit from some of the key trends that are going to take place over the next five to ten years uh their their uh, streaming service peacock um is, is interesting because it's available for free uh, it's really going to be focused more on uh, on ad revenue and streaming. Mm -hmm. uh, that has a a, a, a a lot of potential to become one of the top three services if they play them if they play it right.